take your Bibles, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to start, we're going to look at pretty much the whole chapter, but I want, I, I want you to relax. We're not going to take every verse and preach on every verse. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to take every character. What I want to do this morning is just glean from Hebrews chapter 11, seven products of faith. And some of them I will preach on more than others. There's going to be a few. I'm just going to point them out, make a comment or two, and move on. I, I um, Of course, our text for this morning is the great hall of fame of faith. So let's just start out by reading verses 1 through 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was uh, taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who seek him. Now let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the music when the worship, the musical worship we've enjoyed today. And Lord, remind us that the worship hasn't ended with the sermon. The sermon is worship. Preaching is worship. So help us to continue to worship today by exalting in your word. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have uh, been meditating on this chapter recently and actually podcasting my way through it. I have a podcast and millions of people all across the earth. Ignore it. And uh, you can join that crowd if you want to. But if you'd like to listen to it, it's, it there's a link in the bulletin. It's meditationsandmusic.com. And, and I'm getting deeper into this chapter than I'm going to get today. But um, I was podcasting my way through it. And when Josh preached a few weeks ago on the prayer of Luke 17, 5, where it says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Remember that? 
And that's, that's the theme of 2023 at Meadowview Baptist Church. Increase our faith. And um, I was delighted that many of the things he said were the exact same things that I'd been seeing in this chapter. I told my small group yesterday I apologize because much of what you're going to hear you've already heard. But of course, that is the theme and the prayer of Meadowview on, 20, on 2023. So before we get into this chapter, <clears throat> I would like to ask this question. What is faith? The word faith is, in the concept of faith is, it is just so, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's a word that we just use all the time. Uh, it has been used so much that I think sometimes we lose the wonder of the fact that you and I have faith. But when I say to you, I have faith, or you say to me, I have faith, what, what am I saying here? So I want to give you uh, this definition of faith that I found helpful, and I think it's in your bulletin. Biblical faith is the conviction that God exists, that he has spoken in his word, the Bible, and all that he has said is absolute truth. That's what biblical faith is. And that's the kind of faith that's illustrated in this chapter. I was thinking about that last song that we sang. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. And I thought, I wonder if the Lord might be saying, Here's my word, child. Here's my word, child. Here's my word, child. Read what is true. He has spoken. He's spoken in this book right here. And we need to read what is true. It's worth noting that this faith that we're going to talk about today is not the product of our own heart. We do not believe that God has spoken that he exists and that he's spoken and what he said is the absolute truth. We don't believe that here today because we're smarter than other people who don't believe that. We believe that God exists, and that he's spoken, and he's spoken in his word, the Bible, and everything that he says is true. We believe that because of a work of grace that God has done in our heart. We can take no credit for it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And the very next pronoun is that. And in English, the pronoun always 
refers to the noun that's closest to it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, what's the that there? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Folks, we ought to be humbled. If you have biblical faith in your heart this morning, you ought to be humbled and realize, I didn't do this. God did. So for our time this morning, again, I'm not going to go verse by verse or even character by character, but I want to glean from this text seven products of faith, and some I'll preach on longer than others. But here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that as we consider these seven products of faith, that it'll kind of flesh out what we're praying for when we say, Lord, increase our faith. Here they are. First of all, I want to say to you that faith produces assurance. Faith produces assurance. Notice, please, in verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Biblical faith is the heartfelt conviction that God exists and that what he says is absolutely the truth. And that faith gives us assurance that the things we're hoping for in the future, we are really going to experience one day. Hope is the pleasurable expectation of the future. And that expectation is grounded in the heartfelt conviction that God has spoken and what he has said is absolutely the truth. Faith by necessity is focused on things that we cannot see at this time. But it is convinced that we are going to see them. Romans 8, 24 and 25, Paul writes, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Faith gives assurance. Let me illustrate this. I have never seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm pretty sure you haven't either. Because I believe a promise that I'm going to give you in just a moment. That is because I'm convinced that it is true. I have the pleasure of expecting that one of these days I am going to see him. And I'm not only going to see him, but I'm going to be changed to become just like him. Are you all looking forward to that? You're looking forward to me being just like Jesus? Boy, I bet my wife is. So what is the promise? Beloved, we are God's children now. 
and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. You believe that verse is true? If you believe that verse is true, then you have the assurance that one of these days you're going to see him and you're going to be like him. Because you believe in your heart that God exists and he's spoken and what he has said is true. Because I believe that and I have the assurance of that, therefore it motivates me to strive to purify myself in my life. Now notice verse 2. Faith leads to commendation. And I just want to point this out, but I'm, I'm going to make a whole point of this in just a moment. Look at verse 2. For by it the people of old received commendation. What does that mean? The idea here is, is that the faith that the people of old had caused them to do things that testify to the good quality of their character. It affected their behavior and it motivated their accomplishments. And from verse four on, the writer expands on this thought and we're gonna say more about commendation in just a little bit. So what's the first, first product of faith? Assurance. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, he's got six more to go, relax. The second one I am going to preach. You know, you could preach a whole sermon on all of these, but I'm not going to do that. Secondly, faith brings understanding. Look at verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. What an interesting thing to do. When you're talking about faith, to go back to the issue of origins. The subjects, now listen carefully. Young people, listen carefully. The subject of origins is not a matter for science. It's a matter of faith. So, you know, these people try to pit science against faith. But now listen carefully. The scientific method is the process of objectively establishing facts through testing and experimentation. The basic process involves making an observation, forming a, a hypothesis, making a prediction, and conducting an experiment, and finally analyzing the results. That is the scientific method. Did you notice what the first step of the scientific method is? Anybody remember this from school? Observation. The reason, the reason origins is not an issue for science and an issue for faith is because there was nobody around to observe what happened. Right? 
And since it occurred in the past, there's no way to make a prediction or do an experiment. You see, in science, understanding comes before belief. But in faith, it's not what we understand and therefore believe, but it's what we believe and therefore understand. Because we're convinced that God exists and that he has spoken in his word, the Bible, and that what he has spoken is absolutely the truth. We understand that everything we can see was created by the speaking of God, which brought things into existence from nothing. We understand that. You know, I, I want to give you a, a little different thought before I move on to number three. I love that phrase there, so what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I definitely think one thing that could mean is the fact that God created what we see out of nothing. But I got to think about this. That is absolutely true today. This is before science ever discovered, discovered molecules or atoms or protons or neutrons or electrons which we now know is what everything we can see is made out of, but we can't see them. Isn't that amazing? Oh, we have a famous saying that's in, on social media, follow the science. Follow the science. Well, 150 years ago, they were following the science, and so when you got sick, they concluded that what you needed to do is Drain your blood. And one of the things that barbers did is they not only cut your hair, but if you need a good bloodletting, you go to the barber and he would let your blood. He would cut you and drain your blood. You know, if they had believed the Bible, they never would have done that because the Bible has said for thousands of years, the life is in the blood. One of these days, science is going to have to realize that God created the world. And I think in six literal days, about 6,000 years ago. You say, why do you believe it? Because that's what it says in God's word. And I'm convinced that the Bible is true. Number three, faith causes worship. Look at verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending, we see that commendation again, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. My point is, faith causes worship. You say, well, where is worship in that verse? Let me give you five truths about worship from this verse very quickly. The first thing I want to point out to you is the concept of Abel's worship. 
Though the word worship is not used, the concept certainly is there. We see it in this phrase, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. You see, the concept of worship is the offering of a sacrificial gift to God from a heart of affection in an effort to express his worth. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, it, it's all through the Bible. Let me give you a couple places. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews refers to this event later on where God told Abraham to offer Isaac. Remember, remember that story in Genesis 22? Listen to what Abraham said in reference to that event of where he was called by God to offer his son as a sacrifice. He said in Genesis 22:5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you. What was he going to do? He was going to offer a sacrifice to God. That's what worship is. Then listen to this verse, Romans 12:1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. which is, or wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, worship. The concept of worship is offering a sacrificial gift to God from a heart of affection in an effort, and I emphasize that word, in an effort to express his worth. Is there anything we can do to adequately express God's worth? No. But when we offer a sacrifice out of a heart of affection, we're trying to express his worth. That's worship. Then I want you to notice the cause of worship with Abel. The cause of Abel's, uh, of Abel's worship is seen in these words. Um, he, by faith, he offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. The reason Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain is because in his heart he was absolutely convinced that God had spoken and that what God said was true. And based on that conviction, he offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. He worshiped. You can, of course, read this in Genesis 4, 1 through 7. I'm not going to do that for time's sake. But I will say this. We have no record of God giving them instructions on acceptable, on an acceptable offering. There's no record of that in the scripture. But the implication is very clear that he had given those instructions. And again, Abel believed God and therefore obeyed God. And Cain did not. And therefore, Abel's worship was accepted and Cain's was not acceptable because it was not rooted in faith in God's word. By the way, let me just um, run this rabbit down, shoot it, and I'll get right back. 
That's why you cannot have acceptable worship that's not grounded in the Word of God. It's just not a feel-good, fluffy, emotional, you know, thing that's going on in so many churches right now. If you don't have the clear preaching and teaching of the Word of God, you don't have a basis for faith. And if you don't have a basis for faith, you cannot have authentic worship. Oh, I thank God we have that here. Then notice with me the commendation of Abel's worship. This phrase, though which he, through which he was commended as righteous. How did God commend Abel? By accepting his gifts. The concept of commendation is bearing witness or testifying. God himself testified to the righteousness of Abel by accepting his gift. And this righteousness was the righteousness that was by faith. And it all started with Abraham believing and therefore obeying God. That's where all true righteousness springs from. Faith in the word of God. Finally, under this point, I love this. If you haven't heard anything I've said so far, shame on you. Listen, though, this is, this is blesses my heart. You know, when you get a little older, you start thinking about things like this. What I'm about to show you, youngins, you might not be thinking of anything like this. But when you get to my age, you think about things like this. So here's what I want to show you. Under this point, please notice with me the continuing effect of Abel's worship. Verse 4, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Because Abel was absolutely convinced in his heart that God had spoken and what God said was true. He worshiped God accordingly by offering the sacrifice that God commanded. And God commended him by accepting his sacrifice. And thousands of years later, God himself has preserved the testimony of Abel's worship. And that testimony is continuing to speak to us right up into this very moment. Do you realize, folks, now, you realize that it is so possible that much of what we do in this life is going to have a continuing effect after our lifetime? Wow. As I obey and worship God, God, because out of a heart of faith, because I believe God, God has a way of taking that worship and using it for years to come after you and I are already dead and gone. Isn't that great? And where does it start? It starts by believing God. Believing God. Now, I've got to move on because I need to, but here's something that I thought about. We don't offer animal, animal sacrifices to God anymore, right? That system has been fulfilled by Christ and has become obsolete. So what sacrifices do we offer 
in our worship. And there, there are more than two, but I want to give you two. The first one is praise. In chapter 13 and verse 15 of this book, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Praise is something we offer as a sacrifice to God in worship. And when we believe God exists, and when we believe that God has spoken in the Bible, and when we believe that what he said is true, it is going to cause worship and praise to boil up out of our hearts. And that's what happens here on Sunday morning. That's why praise here is not some dead formal form. Israel. The second sacrifice that we offer as worship is our body. Again, Romans 12:1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, what does it mean to offer your body as a spiritual sacrifice? Can somebody stand up and give me a list of things that you can do without your body? Anybody? You're a doctor, right? I mean, what, what can you do without your body? Nothing. Nothing? Well, that must mean then, if I give my body as a sacrifice to God, that from that point forward, everything I do with my body is to be an expression of worship. I love that. I have an evangelist friend. He says, I love the hound out of that. Everything I do. This is called whole life worship. So, dear young mother, when you are changing your baby's diaper, it can be an expression of worship. Sir, when you're working on that project at work, it can be and should be an expression of worship. It kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our bodies is a sacrifice that we offer to God in worship because we believe he exists. We believe he's spoken in the Bible and we believe what he said is true. Now, the rest of these are going to be kind of fast. Number four. I've already alluded to this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Number four. Faith produces obedience resulting in commendation. We've seen it in Abel. Let's look at it in Enoch. By faith, Enoch, when he was taken up so that he should not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Now, watch this. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Noah, what did Noah do? Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark to the saving of his household. Why did he construct an ark? Because he was obeying God. Why did he obey God? Because he believed that God had spoken and that what God said was true. He had faith. By this, he condemned the world. By the way, there's a whole lot more products of faith in this chapter than I'm showing you today. 
Abraham. By faith, verse 8, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going, as most of us men are that way. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. What's happening there? He is believing God and therefore obeying God and therefore being commended by God. By the way, let me just stop here for a moment. I didn't talk about Sarah, but I'm going to in just a moment. Do you know what happened when Abraham, when God came to Abraham, who was 100 years old and whose wife was 90 years old and spoke to Abraham and said that he was going to give him a son? You know what Abraham did? He laughed. Which, by the way, if you think of it from a practical sense, and you were that age and your wife said, you probably laughed too. The reason I make a point of this is because we need to be careful to realize that though, the, though these are the products of faith, that we don't say, well, I don't have this in my life sometimes, and I don't have that in my life. The truth of the matter is, none of these people displayed perfectly the products of this faith. I got to think, I told um, John before the service, I said, you know, I wake up every morning weak in faith. Has that ever happened to you? I got to get into the Word of God and have my faith strengthened before I can go about my day. But Abraham, and then the many named in the rest of the chapter, verses 39 through 40, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God provided something better for them. Faith produces obedience, resulting in commendation. Number five, Faith produces faithfulness, or fruitfulness, I should say. Faith produces fruitfulness. Now we're going to talk about Sarah. Look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Yeah. Finally. But not initially. When Abraham came to Sarah and told her what God had said to him, she laughed. But evidently she got over that laughter and believed. Because it says, therefore from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many of the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now I fully realize that the kind of fruit that we're talking about in Sarah's life is the bearing of children. But it still illustrates the important point that one of the things that faith produces in the life of a Christian is fruitfulness. And even though Sarah initially laughed in unbelief at what God said, there obviously came a time when she once again experienced the heartfelt conviction that what God said was true. And according to our text, through this faith, she became fruitful 
after a life of barrenness. Her relationship with Abraham, after being fruitless all those years, yielded fruit. What changed? She believed God. Jesus said this, John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. When we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this faith produces believing prayer that God answers, making our lives fruitful to the glory of God because we believe. Number six, faith produces hope. What is hope? Hope is the pleasurable expectation for the future. It's looking to the future with pleasure rather than dread. And I've tried it both ways. I'd rather look to the future with pleasure than dread. How can I do that? By believing God. Again, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Notice the hope that's expressed in verses 20 through 22. Verse 20. By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. He believed that something was going to happen. He believed that in the future, all of the children of Israel were going to leave Egypt and go back to their land. Why? Because that's what God had promised. So Joseph, even as he was dying, had hope, a pleasurable expectation for the future of his descendants. Paul's desire and prayer for the Romans was this. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Joy and peace comes from believing God. Did you notice that? Which gives us hope. Hope. Sometimes I do a very dumb thing. Sometimes if I'm not careful, I'll look at the media before I read the Bible. I'm probably the only one that does that. But you can pray for me. Man, you talk about a downer. Do you ever watch the news or get on some kind of media, maybe social media? And man, the things you see are just depressing. If you look at that and fill your heart and mind with that, you're going to feel hopeless. 
But whenever I get into the Word of God and I read what God has said, my dread of the future is changed to looking to the future with pleasure. Why? Because I believe that God has spoken and what he has said is true. Last one. Faith produces an eternal focus. Hebrews 11.10 talking about Abraham says, for he was looking for forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. That's what Abraham was looking for. What was he focusing on? Is that something temporal or is that something eternal? Look at verses 13 through 16. Boy, this is important. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Folks, you realize this morning there are many promises of God that you and I are not going to experience the fulfillment of on earth in time. They realize this. They went on to say, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. Verse 14 of chapter 13 says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. I'm telling you that faith provides an eternal focus. You begin to realize, man, this ain't all there is. And you begin to be very glad that this ain't all there is. And you start thinking, man, I'm ready for the next one. I'm ready for the next world. I want to get to that city. I, I, I want to experience the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And how do I know that he has prepared things for those that love him? Because that's what he said. And what he said is true. It's true. What does this focus do? When you're focusing on the eternal, it gives you the ability to endure suffering in the present. We see that in verses 35 through 39. Some were tortured, refusing to accept relief so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Why? Because they weren't focusing in this world. Their focus was in the eternal. Verse 39, these all, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, 
Oh, by the way, they've received it now. Huh? Not in their lifetime, but they have now. They died believing that what God had spoken was true, and they trusted in his promises. But they came to the end of their lives not receiving what he had promised. And again, we will not receive all of the meaning of God's promises in our lifetime. Biblical faith of necessity causes us to have a focus on eternity. And what do we look forward to in eternity? I like Revelation 21 verse 4. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We're going to experience that one of these days. And the reason I know is because that's what God said. And it causes us to have an eternal focus. I got a text from a pastor friend of mine last week. He said, Brother, pray for us. My 18-month-old grandson drowned this morning. We're headed to the funeral home to make the arrangements. Oh, my. I can't even begin to think about that sorrow. But guess what? One of these days, there are going to be no more drownings or car accidents or cancer or heart attacks or sorrow. Not in this life, but in eternity. Faith causes us to have an eternal focus. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, God has prepared for those that love him. And I'm closing with this verse, this passage. You know it, you could say it with me. John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. I have it down here in the ESV, but I know it in the King James. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Folks, that's not just talking about the rapture. Listen carefully. Jesus made that promise to his disciples in that day. And on this day, what Jesus promised them is historically been fulfilled in the past. When they died, Jesus came and cut them and took them to the Father's house that he prepared for them. 
that where I am, there you may be also. I believe this with all my heart. I have come close to death a number of times in the last several years. In fact, I'm not even supposed to be alive. And I've thought about death. I believe that when I die, Jesus is coming himself. And he's going to receive me. And he's going to take me to the place that he's prepared for me. And you know why I think that? Because I believe God exists. And God has spoken. And what he said is true. So when we pray, Lord, increase our faith. These are the things that we can expect to increase in our lives. By the way, have you ever prayed, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief? By the way, he answered that prayer for that guy. I'm glad he did. Here's what we can expect to increase. Assurance. Understanding. Worship. Obedience resulting in commendation. Fruitfulness. Hope. And an eternal focus. Lord, increase those things.